Welcome to the Stacked Supplement Podcast, the premier source for supplement news and reviews. We are back with another Stacked Supplement Podcast interview, and today we have probably one of the most uh, star-studded special guests I've had so far, uh, and, and one of the fastest-rising brands. It is uh, Aaron Sigerman from Redcon One. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. I appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate the introduction. I'm glad to be one of the most star-studded guys you've had. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And surreal. It's, uh, I think it's surreal for me because we, I messaged you the other day and you, and you do this when you, you share kind of like a throwback on your social media. And every time I see it, because I stacked been around for 10 years, but I, I, I don't think I've seen a brand. No, 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 no. I haven't seen a brand that's had that rise as fast as Redcon one. And I remember when you sent me that picture, like you're like, what do you think this is? And I was like, I didn't think much of it. And I was like, wait, wait a fucking second. This is his brand. And it was like a teaser and it wasn't, didn't have anything in it. And I still remember, and, you, and I was like, is it your brand? And you were still acting very vague. And I was like, okay, so we shared it. And then it kind of was thir 13 products out of the gate. Was it? it was 11 or 13? Yeah, yeah. 13. And shit just blew up from there. How, like, <laughs> I, I'll ask you a simple question. You're probably gonna give me the answer. I think you are. Did you expect it to grow? Recall one, did you expect it to grow anywhere near as fast as it did? No, no, I mean, no, I didn't. I mean, the, the, my past company that I was leaving, you know, Blackstone, when I left Blackstone, um, I owned 35% uh, of Blackstone. And so I, um, it was me and my partner, PJ, and then there was a silent partner, this guy, Joseph uh, Safina. And so um, I, uh, I figured like, okay, so Blackstone is doing, at the time I was doing a little under $20 million in revenue. And so I was like, okay, well, 35% of that, you know, is, is whatever, <laughs> six and a half, whatever million bucks. And I'm like, I think I could do a brand that could do, make six and a half million dollars in revenue. I think I could. I think like that's possible for a year. And I think I could do it all on my own, right? And have no partners. And that really was the initial intention where I, of course I wanted to be, to be the, to be big, right? I don't think I would ever have told you I want to be the biggest at that point to be the biggest supplement brand in history. But I think uh, sports supplement brand, I don't think I would have said that out loud. And I'm not sure that I was thinking it at the time. Um, so my big goal was if I could just do six and a half million dollars a year in revenue, I'm basically exactly where I was and I have no partners, which sounded like a huge win at the time, you know? And I'm so, assuming you did that what in the first year? Oh, we did more than the first year. Yeah, we did more than the first year. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was crazy. Now we did our first uh, our first full month. Uh, so our first month before we had products, we did three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in pre-sale before the products arrived. And the first I month with that, products, yeah. we did almost six hundred thousand dollars in sales in the in the first month when we actually had uh, products. So it was a uh, we hit our first million dollars in sales for the month in uh, July of the first year. So we started uh, Jesus. Uh, May, so May, June, July, August, we had a million dollars a month. So it was uh, very fast, very fast. What would you, I mean, it's obviously a loaded question, but what would you attribute that fast growth to? Because there are a lot of factors within Redcon. One, the, sure. the formulas were pretty well put together right out of the gate. Uh, you obviously, you and Eric both had a lot of experience in that department. You had great marketing. You had very strong promotions. Like 
even if you have those things, it's not always a guaranteed success. Other brands have those things, but they don't any don't do anywhere near as well. So, what I guess what would you attribute? What do you think was the kind of the the the, the the base factor as to why it's blowing up the way it is. You named a lot of important factors. Um, I think one thing for sure is that both Eric Hart, who's the president at the time, he was the vice president of Redcon One. Um, he was uh, one of the very first employees. He's actually actually started with me the week before I left Blackstone. We had brought him in to be um, kind of like a similar role at Blackstone, and then everything happened, and I was able to take him with me to, to start Redcon. Uh, he had spent 10, 12 years at Glan, well, not Glambia, BSN was one of the BSN, first people. Yeah. And then went after the transition, Glambia took over. He stayed on with Glambia, got his master's degree through them, you know, spent some time in Ireland and, and was moving up the ranks. He would have been uh, one of the top guys at Glambia now if he had been willing to move to Chicago and then probably Ireland, uh, which he wasn't. Um, so I was, uh, he had tons of experience. And then obviously I'd owned a lot of brands. You know, I, as you know, I've owned, you know, almost 10 supplement brands. And uh, I don't know where the numbers are live, but around that many. And all of them were successful to some degree or another. They're all my multi-million dollar brands. Um, but I, and during that period of time, I learned a lot by making mistakes and then also by making uh, a lot of success. So I was really honest uh, with, with the things that I knew that I did wrong and that I wish I would have changed. And I had all these things that I did really right. So I was able to scale the things we did right and get rid of, be honest with ourselves. And Eric had had that same experience. He saw BSN grow from almost zero to a hundred or $200 million brand ish and sell for 180 million bucks. And then he saw Glambia come on and mess all kinds of stuff up, but also did some things really right. Right. He did some things that the corporate world taught him some things too, things he didn't want to do, things he didn't want to do. And, uh, and we had that tremendous experience. The other thing we had was relationships. And uh, in the sports supplement business, probably like a lot of businesses, relationships is a big deal. So I knew everybody and everybody knew me. And before I owned these supplement companies, as you know, I traveled the world um, with Dave Palumbo and RX Muscle. And I was the, started out from just a fan of bodybuilding and fitness industry and became the editor-in-chief of the biggest, at the time, the biggest multimedia bodybuilding fitness website in the world at the time, RX Muscle. And so I did, without exaggeration, I probably went to... 500 bodybuilding shows and expos, maybe more. Damn. And over, over all those years, uh, everywhere from India and Asia and uh, to uh, New Zealand and Australia, yeah. I toured New Zealand and Australia. I spent a month in Australia and quite a while in New Zealand touring and going all over. Not too many places to go in New Zealand, but I went to all <laughs> of them, you know? I went to uh, Moel Mustawi's pro show, um, saw Kai Green guest pose, a famous yes, guest pose. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. I was in the front row for that. I've been, I've been everywhere with him. And along the way, I was very smart. Um, and this wasn't intentional, but I was very smart about networking, meeting people, trying to be uh, friendly and uh, create relationships. I figured, I didn't know what I would do with those relationships, but I always figured knowing all these people in this industry that I love, in this thing that I love, bodybuilding, would somehow uh, be beneficial. And man, has that ever been the case? Um, so like, you know, when you talk about Practically anybody that's a big deal or major in our industry, I know them personally, or at least I know someone that I can call to get their number and talk to them. And so whether that's a, a distributor in the Middle East or whether that's, you know, Jim Mannion, who I've become close friends with, or, you know, who runs bodybuilding or uh, Rafael Santoja, I, I can call them all. You know, I can reach out and talk to anybody that I want to talk to because of the relationships I built. So that's a big, big deal. And then the other big deal uh, along with that is to have some resources, right? When I started... Blackstone back in the day, I had very, very, very little money. So having the money to be able to spend, but yeah. then knowing how to spend it intelligently is a big deal. You mentioned the formulas. Yes, the product has to be great. 
podcast to be as good or better than anything on the market without breaking any rules. So as you know, that, that's an important part part because you can easily break rules. Especially when you get blood. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the thing that I knew I didn't want to do was break rules. I knew we wanted to create a business that was sustainable, that weren't, wasn't going to lose products. So the important part is to make the products great, but the really important part is to build a brand. And so from the very, very, very beginning, before we even had a name, we sat down and said, okay, if we're going to build a brand like Apple, like Rolex, uh, like IBM, I mean, IBM's, uh, I'm thinking of iconic brands that people know who it is. I can show you the I and IBM and people are going to know, even though IBM's a whole different thing now. The yeah. Amazon, I show you one letter of Amazon, A, you already know it's Amazon, right? I can show all these, all, there's a ma many examples I could give you of iconic, long-lasting brands. Um, everybody knows the LNV from Louis Vuitton now. That's become a thing where everybody sees it. They know LV, Louis Vuitton. Um, you don't even have to ask. So in sports supplements, that thing is, it does not exist. You know, there is some element of that, like at BSN, you saw the red, red jug and you like, yeah. red, you would know. It was kind of flimsy, right? Um, so there's nothing that had anything like that. So we decided, well, how do we make a brand like that? And it started with the name, uh, also the logo, the look of the brand, who we stood for, creating a purpose-driven brand where it's not just cool supplements. There's more to it than that. Differentiating factor being the military twist, right? Yeah. Twisting towards the military. And then giving to military families and making a difference in people's lives. All of those things, plus a bunch more. And there's luck too, by the way. If nobody, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, you'd be lying to yourself if you think, oh, we're just so good. Um, and we, by the way, we do have, and we're able to build an incredible, incredible team. You know, it went from my old business where I felt like I was basically doing everything. I was reaching out to you personally on every story, trying yeah. to get every, I mean, I was very, very, very involved with everything from label review to, I did all the accounting, I did payables and receivables. I mean, I, I ordered all the products. I mean, I did, I did pretty much, I can't say everything because I didn't do the, the coding or the website design. I didn't do any <laughs> art, but, but other than that, I pretty much felt like, you know, I felt like I was doing everything. And, and now as Redcon has grown, I'm, I don't want to say I'm doing nothing, but most of the, the good ideas are not mine. You know, most Eric's for formulating everything. Most of the marketing stuff is done by Ryan, who you met, I believe. I think you met Ryan Monahan. He's, you know, chief marketing officer. We have Jay, who's our chief legal officer. I have Kevin, who's our chief financial officer. I have all these very, very smart people who are great at their thing that they do. And I'm not the guy doing all the different things anymore. I, I'm now the, the coach. I'd say I'm the coach or maybe the, the driving force of the momentum of the brand. But I'm not, I'm not the, the main guy. I'm not the main image used. We got Kai Green, the most famous bodybuilder in history. Yeah. He is the main guy. And, and back in the day, we were very, very fortunate to have Dallas McCarver. You know, he was one of my very first calls. After I called Eric, got Eric on board. This is the day after I left Blackstone. So the, the day after I left, I felt sorry for myself. And then the next day I started. And so it was literally, that was one day I felt sorry. You spent a lot of time. That was it. That was it. That was it. I was like, I need, I woke up the next morning. And I was like, yeah, it's not so bad. Now I'm going to kick the shit out of that company and do way better. It won't matter. This is a great opportunity. And I looked at it as an opportunity to restart and do things better. And so I called Eric first. Once Eric was on board, the next call was to Dallas McCarver, who I didn't really even know. I was going to say, because Dallas was with BSN. Uh, so still Eric, I'm, I'm assuming Eric must have known him from there. Yes. Yeah, Eric knew him from there. Eric was the one who gave me his phone number. Yeah. Um, and I called him on the phone. He had come to our after party at the Arnold Classic. You know, remember Boma? You went to that, right? 
I, I remember that. Boma, the, the church that turned into the nightclub, Jason Deere's after party. I probably you never went. Probably oh God, not. Like I'm not a I'm not a big after not a party person. guy. You, know, you should have you should have went. You missed a lot of good times. Um, I loved going there because it was uh, industry people were on the top floor. So there's two floors. There's the dance floor. And there was craziness and midget wrestling one of the times, and it's like insanity. Like a and it's in a church, which makes it even crazier. And the second floor, you can only get up if you're a VIP. That's actually how I met my past partner. I was the I was the guy who was deciding. I was the arbiter of who gets the VIP pass. Oh wow! That was one of my first like exciting jobs in the industry, where I was the guy because Jason was so busy putting on the show and putting on the the, the bathroom party. I mean, but he said, "Hey, you know everybody. You give out the passes." And I met first of all, I met a lot of girls this way. Don't tell Darielle, but I met a lot of girls this way. But I also met all kinds of people because they had to come to me, and I'd have to be like so. You know, Mike Hearn, you know, why do I give it to you? Like, you know, who, you know, and I'll give the, decide, you know, okay, you get one, you, you don't get one, you get one. Um, so but it was always the best party because the upstairs was just those people. You couldn't get upstairs. So that way you can have a conversation with, you could be staying there with Dorian Yates, Chris Cormier, and uh, Dr. Scott Conley at the bar, having a conversation about, you know, how metrics started and everybody's talking and it's all very social. Um, and, uh, and that was so neat to be around all these industry people having conversation. No fans really allowed, basically. Um, and so that was a super cool thing. And uh, being up there and I had the opportunity to meet people. So one of our parties that we did were, were BSN, excuse me, BSN, Blackstone Labs got a part that was exclusive. So we had a velvet rope and Dallas came by and said, you know, excuse me, sir. You know, very polite. Excuse me, sir. Is there any way I could come in there with y'all and, and have a few drinks and I'm like all right come on in and uh, I talked to him for the first time and he was so polite such a gentleman that uh, when I got home I looked him up and watched looked for his videos and realized there was nothing on online about this guy the only videos were his coach Matt Jensen this little kid who was his coach like a little like a teenager who was coaching him which was crazy Matt Jensen was probably 20 years old coaching him at the time and he was videoing him on his iPhone and you would see this monster deadlifting 865 pounds for reps. And it's a shaky iPhone. And I'm like, this guy has it, has it all. He's, you know, he's a good looking kid. Everybody's calling him Matt Damon. It was like a Matt Damon on steroids, everybody said. So there's Matt, this Matt Damon looking kid who was very charismatic, was funny, uh, who was very polite to a great sense of, you know, respect for, for people, which I thought was very interesting. He was an extremely hard worker. And nobody had seen him at all. Even though BSN had him for two years, there's no video of him. There's no pictures of him. No, he was not featured. He was like forgotten about. Um, he went pro when he was very young at, uh, at North Americans. And then kind of people forgot about him, about him you know? And so I, uh, I knew that he had that same Ronnie Coleman-esque thing where like he was able to move incredible weights. He was still extremely athletic and he had a likable personality. And uh, so I called him on the phone and I told him, hey, um, I, uh, I really want you to be part of my new project. And he was like, what's it, what's it called? And I'm like, I don't know yet. I was like, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I, I told him what we're going to do is we're going to have awesome content. That's going to provide value to customers, potential customers and people and fans. And we're going to market to them with content, with value and not even ask them to buy. And that, that initially that was the, the plan that, that got people going. We're going to provide this content and value. And then hopefully they'll buy a t-shirt or product and then the product or t-shirt is going to be awesome. They're going to love it. And they're going to tell other people and that's how we're going to get it going. And I want to start it off by creating this buzz and hype around you, but I don't want to tell anybody why. 
what is the, the, the thing? It's going to be a secret like Fight Club. No, nobody's allowed to talk about it. And um, that's why when I sent it to you, the images I was yeah. posting, people were like, what the hell is this? Dallas, Matt, all these guys are wearing Redcon shirts and uh, Jordan hoodies and everything with Redcon. And I tell them all to tell people you can't say. Sorry, I can't tell you. So we're there posting online. Everybody's asking, what is it? What is it? And everybody's saying, I can't say, I can't tell you. And so it created that initial hype. Dallas said, uh, when I called him, he said, so what is it? I, I don't, I, I, uh, I don't know the name, but the one thing I do know is you have to move to Boca right away. I can't, I can't sign you unless you can move and leave Tennessee and move to Boca. And uh, he was like, all right, I'll do it. And I told him, when, when can you move? He was, I'll, I'll move next week. And I was like, all right. And that was the, uh, Oh, that was wow. what really gave gave me the belief. I'm like, oh man, I must be onto something. I convinced this kid to move his whole life in like 30 minutes. So, um, and uh, and that was it, man. We were off to the races. So that there's a confluence of all these things that that created this. It wasn't one thing. I can't say, hey yeah. guys, you want to start a business out here? This is the thing you need to do because I don't know what one thing it could possibly be. It had to be all of them together at the right time, right moment, right point in the industry, and and some good luck, you know. I think the experience was probably the biggest underlying factor. It sounds like for the whole thing, just to get an athlete from the start, that's not something everyone does to believe in a brand as much as you did enough to get an athlete and rely, you know, rely on the formulas, the content, have the different connections and, and have the networking. I think the experience sounds like, cause that's not something I can tell you right now. That's not something new brands, do well, i haven't well, also, seen right if you yeah. like using your experience as a, as a good uh, as a example if if i if i was not me if i hadn't had done all the things and had the experience and i called dallas he would have like who the hell are you and why are you calling me and if you go well I'm, i want you to move across the country and to, they'd be like he'd be like no like i'm not doing that but he had faith in the fact that i was going to make it successful you know that whatever i was going to do is going to be big and he wanted to be part of that next big thing so yeah, for sure. The experience, you can't, you can't reproduce that, you know? And also yeah. the belief in myself that came with the experience, I never doubted that it was going to work, right? I didn't know it was going to be the biggest subway company in the history of the world. Um, but and, and now I definitely believe that, but I didn't believe that at the time. I, I could never even extremely arrogant to think that's how it was going to be, but I did believe it was going to work. And I'm sure that came across in the way I was talking about it. I believed it. Um, just like I usually do with, with a lot of stuff with me. I usually, I, I believe it, not usually, I always believe that even when I'm wrong, I believe it, you know? And, um, and I think that that experience gave me enough belief and other people enough belief to, to risk. Cause I, I had seven employees and one decently high paid athlete, uh, $12,000 a month rent uh, for my, for my building. And I was burning, you know, at the time, even with the ads selling no products, was burning about 80,000 bucks a month or so with no products. So uh, nothing to sell, no, nothing to make money. So, you know, I signed a lease for a building for $12,000 a month for three to five year lease. I could get out of three, but then I had a penalty. Um, so it, it takes big balls for sure. You have to really yeah. believe to do it because you're right. As a new supplement company to, to do those things with nothing to sell is very difficult. To think oh about. yeah. I actually, I actually had an interview not that long ago and it was about sort of a, an entrepreneur kind of thing. And they asked me, uh, what would you tell someone that, that wasn't sure if they should take the risk and start their new venture? And I said, I don't really have any advice. I kind of said what you said. I was like, if you have any doubt, whether it's one to 2%, 
probably shouldn't do it. I was like, yeah. generally, if they if an entrepreneur has a good idea, you don't need to ask if he's confident. He's probably really halfway down the street doing it. He's just yeah. that was my kind of answer. And that sounds very much like yourself. And I know you very well enough that if you had something you believed in, it could probably easily come across as it is going to be the best in the world. I could get that's how I imagine <laughs> even though you probably weren't thinking it, your yeah. pitch to a lot of people, including myself, would have come across as exactly that. Yeah. And just, so it's not, it, I mean, it's surprising, but it's, it's, it's just, it's been impressive to watch the brand develop the way it has. Again, I haven't seen, you've had brands that I guess have come along that have gone as popular and as big as you, but not anywhere near to the extent of distribution, you know, both international and domestic, which I think is incredibly important and, and not easy to do. International is probably one of the hardest things to do. Um, and you did that very fast right out of the gate. I remember seeing it pop up in all these different countries, probably, like you said, due to the networking. Um, with, the, with, the, with the rise of the brand, because in the first two years or so, maybe three, you guys were moving pretty quickly with new products, even though you had quite a bit at, at the start, you developed and added to the brand quite a bit, quite quickly. Whereas, do you find, and I've noticed this with a lot of big brands, is that when you get larger, obviously, it becomes incredibly hard to keep doing that. Is If you noticed kind of a, I guess, a, a difficulty trying to still pump out the amount of new releases and changes and formulas that you did earlier on? Well, there's two, two, two factors. Number one is that once you make a full, you know, line of products, now you have to really search. So if you have aminos, if you have EAs, if you have all these categories, now you need to start going into stuff that isn't like normal. As, a, you know, as important, not, yeah. If they're now you're searching for what's the next thing to add. That's one thing. The other thing is that, you know, last year was, you know, COVID year, right? <laughs> yeah, last year, right? everyone gets a pass last year. Yeah. But if you think about all the things we came out with last year, we came out with a lot of things, you know, you considering did. that it was, it was COVID. I mean, we came out with the protein RTD, you know, which is a huge undertaking. Uh, we came out with a ton of new flavors of Total War, ton of new flavors of Total War RTD. Came out with a, there's a long list of products that we came out with a bunch of new flavors of the bar, a bunch of new flavors of Emery Light. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting all kinds of stuff, but we came out with a lot of things. Yeah, not as much as uh, 19, uh, but in 2021 we'll we'll have a bunch of new stuff again. We have the Emery with the uh, Redcon One Bar, which is going to be exciting. Uh, we have a whole new slew of uh, we have so we have Mushroom Cloud, which you don't know about yet. We have uh, we have a few uh, capsule products that I'm excited about. One of them, particularly, it's an anabolic muscle building natural uh, product that's going to be really cool. You can imagine mushroom cloud as an adaptogen product based on all kinds of mushroom stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I imagine it's uh, I've, yeah. Last year kind of stemmed a lot of categories. Yeah. So it's I like, are like, you really going to come out with a adaptogen product when you're in the middle of a worldwide yeah. pandemic? Probably not priority, right? Um, so the other thing we've had, this has been probably the biggest reason not to be able to come out with a lot of new products 
is because we are not able right now to keep up with the demand on our current products. Oh, okay. So um, our manufacturing partners um, are having a hard time. We've added some. are having a really hard time keeping up with the our orders as is. So for example, if you have Total War, whatever flavor, sour gummy, and I can't keep that in, and it's selling you know, 50, 60,000 units a month, yeah. should I now tell that manufacturing partner like having a hard time keeping up with the demand of that, hey, by the way, here's our new whatever product. Start yeah. making that too. So now when we put in orders with like our main manufacturing partner, I'm, needing, I'm expecting to receive that product in December. So it's, yeah. it's now the forecasting has become really, really difficult. We don't want, now that we're in the Walmarts of the world, we have a bunch of other ones like that coming on and Walmart is expanding significantly for us uh, in come October for the new reset, that you can't be late for these people. We are penalized from GNC and vitamin shop, mostly GNC actually, um, for being late. So if we, we vitamin shop is easy, so you can just change in the system, you can decline a, uh, a purchase order. And then it just moves over to the next week. So you just say, oh, we don't have it now. And they move it. But for like GNC, they're di- more difficult. And they charge you money every time you, you're late, oh, wow. right? And, the, and the, the fees add up. So, and not just that, I'm telling GNC, or not really me, Eric is telling, or whoever's telling GNC, yeah, we, are, we can go with this date. And then when we don't hit it, that it keeps moving things yeah. back. And it, it hurts the ability to, to scale. So that is a big, it's a weird, big, I mean, it's a good problem that we have so much demand, um, but it's the it, best problem it is, have. yes, yes, it is. I can't complain about it too much because obviously having no demand is way, way worse, but it does suck when people have money and they're like, Hey, I want to give you this money and you have to go, nah, got to pass on yeah. money, you know, um, <laughs> and, 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 and it happens to us every day, um, it happens every day. So, you know, we're, we're about, I would say 30% or so of our potential revenue is is gone because we don't have inventory to supply the demand so it definitely um hurts the opportunity to add more new SKUs. um so what we're doing is trying to expand uh to new manufacturers uh, bigger new manufacturers not just not to cut off the business we're doing with other manufacturers but if they can't keep up they can't yeah. keep up we, yeah. we have to prepare for the future you know that's a there's problems that go along with uh, reaching the size we are now that I never anticipated before, um, where a manufacturer can't physically, with the lines that they have, produce enough product, even if they run 24 hours a day. And a lot of these manufacturers are having, in America anyway, I don't know how it's like in New Zealand or anywhere else, but we're having a hard time, they're having a hard time keeping people employed because they're, they rather get a little less money to sit on their butt at their house because the government is going to give them a check to, to not work. Um, and so th- that's not uh, as prevalent here in South Florida, but other parts of the country where manufacturers are, people rather not work because they're getting a check not to work. And, uh, and that's a whole other problem in and of itself. Now these laborers who are handling machines are getting paid $15 an hour. They're like, I'm not doing that. I'd rather sit at home and get whatever, $12 an hour. Um, I'd rather be play video games all day or whatever, you know, eat Cheetos and hang out with my, uh, my friend or whatever. I don't know. So to me, that sounds like a, a, a worse, a fate worse than death. But to a lot that of people, that sounds, sounds like appealing. a horrible time to me. But yeah, yeah I would hate it. I would hate it. Um, I mean, uh, when we had employees during the worst part of COVID, we uh, we were kind of pressured to allow some of the employees are really nervous to go home and work from home. And if you, Shane, you haven't been to the new office, but our work, our company culture is very loose here. If people want to, you know, take a break and go 
get on a phone call or walk around or go eat a sandwich or, or whatever. There's no rules basically here. You know, just get your job done. Like somebody, we have coders that come in at 11 a.m. that they like to sleep late, whatever. Just get your jobs done. You know, a lot of coders, our, our coder guys, dev team will, will come in at 11.30 and leave at night yeah, at night. I don't care. Like, it sounds done. like me. Yeah, if the job's done, whatever. I don't, yeah. you know, if your job's not done, we'll have a problem. But I don't really, I don't really care in terms of that. So, but that being said, when the people said, I can't work here anymore, I'm too scared, right? We put on their computer this, this tracking thing. And I told them, hey, we're basically going to be a big brother now. I, I, you wanting to go home because we have so much space here that we can give everybody a huge wide berth. You know, they can have their yeah. own office, closed door, wear a mask, hazmat suit, anything they want to wear. They can, the, the one rule with all that, that's kind of changed. We don't have as much now. When it was all very scared, I was like, nobody can make fun of anybody for, because some people wouldn't like me. I'm not, I never wore a mask ever. The, the, the place was always open and we always had, we're working here because we were essential. So I didn't mind and I was not okay, I was not okay with did not allow anybody to, to make fun of somebody being scared. If they're scared, we'll do whatever we can to accommodate them. But it got to a point where we had to, where we felt, I felt like I was being insensitive. People were this scared. Uh, and I'm like, okay, go home, but we're gonna put this on your system and on, on the computer and we're gonna watch everything you're doing. Like it sucks. But now you're gonna be, you're gonna go to YouTube, I'm gonna know. I'm gonna watch where your mouse is. I'm gonna see how often you're working, how much you're not working. And you have to work eight hours a day. If you're going home eight hours a day, you need to work. Well, this was terrible, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, anytime they were not moving for 15, over 15 minutes, it would alert. It would send an alert to the system. You know, Joe Blow is not working now. And, uh, <laughs> and would, would pop up and say, you're not working, you know? <laughs> and oh, it was man. terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. And within a week, and within a week, almost every single one of them came back and figured out a way. Because it's not, I don't know how, like, I don't know if people thought they would go home and watch, play video games and hang out. Uh, but, uh, but it's not fun to, to sit at home and, yeah, and it's, not. it's not like, no, it's not fun. And, uh, and I think I don't, I don't really get the, why this is happening so much in the manufacturing business. I know manufacturing, if they're just, you know, putting the, the scooper in the, in the bottle all day, every day, maybe that's, you know, not fun at all. I've, um, I've done that stuff before when I was younger, that was one of my jobs. Yeah. Did you put the scoop in? I was a, I was a factory line uh, worker and we didn't it wasn't like in the supplement game i'm talking like when i was 16 but we were we basically shrink wrapped groups of foil containers mm. so you get a big box of say five ten thousand and you'd have to sort them into 500 put them in the shrink wrap put them through a heat machine and then pack them at the other end so we had about three people and you'd each have a job and i did that and we would sometimes do that for four hours a day i never really got i mean it doing compared to what i'm doing now yes it sucked but it was yeah yeah i mean you did what you did to, yeah. to make money i guess i never yeah. really thought well, I, any i thought there was an alternative yeah no i i when i was a kid i uh my mom worked at a printing shop and i collated during summer or you give you they would give like you'd have to like take one page and put it on top of the other yep. and then put it on top of the other and put on and you go down the line putting the pages on top and, and it, it definitely wasn't a fun job uh, but it wasn't, I didn't think of it as, as terrible. And then I pack, you know, we, for Black Friday, we pack the boxes. So, well, everybody here, you know about that. Shane. I, 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 I love that. I, again, yeah. I, that was another job I did. Pack uh, the boxes. I packed orders for certain yeah. uh, packaging companies and food companies. And we'd pack pallets and stuff like that. But yeah. I did that too. I actually really liked that. I don't know why. Yeah. 
I was going to say there's something gratifying about that because uh, we do, I don't do it. Obviously I'm not doing it all day, every day, but we do a lot. I mean, when that week, you know, you have to do 12 as me and, and Eric, we, we do like Eric usually does the night shift and uh, it can be 12 hours of nonstop packing six or seven days in a row. Yeah. And uh, he does it overnight a lot, most times. And then we work still, we still work. So, I mean, it's pretty rigorous, but I have to tell you, there's something uh, fulfilling it is. about doing it. You for get like an reason. order and you have to like pick the items and put them in a yeah. box and you're like done. And they then I you put it the thing, like, ah. yeah, I don't know what yeah, it is. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird when you see it, you see all the ones you've done and you're like, all right, you know, I yeah. did, I did all this. Go, you know, it's interesting where there is something to that. Um, I don't know what, but there is something to that. So it's, so it basically sounds like kind of just with the, with the, with the growth and the success, obviously the growth more than anything, that seems to be the toughest part, I guess, to keep up with. Cause it's, yeah, I mean, everything else, everything else pretty, pretty fun. I mean, we, there's stressful moments a lot. I mean, this is not definitely a very stressful job. Um, and, um, running all these personalities now there's a lot of people uh, under us is certainly because things are going so well it's really tough to complain about too much you know things yeah. are really yeah really really very i feel very fortunate and um we're, we do have a lot of fun it seems like everything that we're doing right now you know it seems like it's working no matter what you know which is you know obviously it doesn't happen you know life is not like that they're going to be ups and downs right so there's going to be bad times for sure for Edcon for me there's also going to be a lot of good times and so hopefully we pass through the bad times as fast as possible and and enjoy times like right now where things just seem to be everything seems to be clicking and we're not we're in a real period of hyper growth where you know from from 20 uh in 20 we grew 40 percent during covid That's, over the previous yeah. year which is crazy which is great this year we will grow more percentage-wise from 20 to 21 um, than we ever have, other than obviously from zero to whatever we were, you know, yeah. uh, zero to 100% or whatever, whatever million percent, infinite percent. So we're gonna grow more this year than we ever have percentage wise. Um, we're, we're hundreds of percent up from last year. So it's a, it's a weird, uh, crazy thing that's happening. I don't know if that's because, I, we, I think about this occasionally, is it because other companies are losing market share um, is it because the, the Glambias of the world are losing market share that we're gaining it? Or is it because uh, we would have done this last year during COVID, but because of COVID, it, it held everything off? I'm not sure. Someone else mentioned that to me. They said that kind of since like the last few months, it's just the shit's exploded. Like people just, and then they didn't attribute it because I wouldn't attribute it to that because that's happened all like, that's happened over the past few years. That's not just this year. I think that trend you're talking about where you get more new companies coming in and the bigger companies don't have as much kind of share. That's happened a lot. They were saying that they believe it's the world kind of waking up. Like fitness is already a bit of a trend, yeah. but nothing gets you more interested in health than I guess the alternatives or the side effects or the downside. So they were saying they they a couple of people I spoke to both retailers and uh, brands feel that it's attributed to just that big interest in health to like because it was plastered all over the internet like if you yeah. have you no know, underlining conditions or yeah. whatever oh, yeah. everywhere so I think that 
and that's a powerful message and that wasn't even just like a, a an opinion that was yeah. kind of stated as fact so I, I i could see that that fear of death because people go well you look you don't want to die well every single thing on the internet and every doctor has said even whether you're left-leaning or right-leaning has said hey if you are overweight obese or have all these underlying conditions that are mostly related to uh, on being unhealthy you have a much much better chance of dying like that's the one thing that everybody agreed on we had a lot of controversy over all kinds of stuff but that was the one thing where everybody was like yeah if you're obese you have a much better chance of dying or diabetes or all these other yes, underlying yeah. conditions so like the, you you actually have control over that stuff you know to a larger degree you have a control over uh how much you weigh and which you know what <laughs> you definitely have control over what you put in your mouth that's for sure yes. um so i think i i believe that for sure i think that i make sense that people would be much more concerned now, I mean, my my mom, my sister, a lot of people that I know have taken it much more seriously uh, post-COVID or even really during COVID when people start really, yeah. I don't know about in New Zealand, but here in my neighborhood, we start seeing people outside riding yeah. bikes, walking yeah. constantly, you know, running. It's like like out of nowhere. It was like, you know, COVID happened. All of a sudden, everybody's outside running. Yeah, I think it, the other thing I, I remember hearing years ago, there was like a, I don't know how accurate it was or whether it was backed up, but they said, something like 55, 60% of the world takes some sort of supplement, which sounds like a lot, but then obviously that was roping in people who were just doing like the vitamin C gummies and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would have thought that may, and I think this, they were saying of that 60% again, we're doing it sort of like sports related supplements, like protein and stuff, yeah. which isn't, no, that's not a lot when you think about it in, in the grand scheme of things in the, in the percentage of the world, but I was like, that just leaves you a giant percentage to increase. And even if you just tap into an extra 1% or 2%, that's a yeah. shitload of people and COVID touched the world. So yeah. it, you know, it, I think that definitely had that expansion. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to look at it. Where if, if, if just 1% of the population is taking fitness more seriously, that would yeah. make a huge dent on the, on the fitness supplement industry. I, I doubt that it was one percent. I just, like Pretty I said, more. nothing, nothing, nothing makes you more interested than when you're at home doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Another question I had was you were saying with 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 the growth and just the giant rise in Recon. Have you guys thought about expanding? And I've seen this with a few other brands: is expanding to your own manufacturing or expanding into the sort of the automated. Uh, packaging facilities that i've seen I, I know olymp out in poland if you ever get to see if you're in that part of the world uh their direct-to-consumer fulfillments is is the most impressive i've seen like even when you look at some of the amazon videos theirs mm. is insane i think they're really? saying something like five to ten people work it and it's they have robots that pick the thing out of the racks and then wow. they they send a little container along the conveyor belt, and then they have a robot hand that plucks one unit out, puts it in a box, <laughs> and then packages up, tapes it. The only time people touch it is when they uh, take it off the conveyor belt to put it onto another conveyor belt that then takes it out to shipping. Wow! And they when that it's an incredible system, and they have a QR code so when specific to each uh, unit of the supplement. So they can tell you which robot touched it, which human touched it, and which box and which route it went. 
And yeah, so I mean, is that something you think you would look at? Because again, yeah. it's obviously you're in that position where that's potentially a factor, and that is something a lot of brands outside of sports supplements have done. Yeah, so um, we've thought about it. Uh, Eric is really, your um, card is really, really uh, mechanically inclined. So there's part of him that that has a, a real interest in the business of manufacturing because he likes the machines and stuff. I'm not mechanically inclined. Uh, so I, I can't fix anything. Eric can rebuild a car motor. I wouldn't know the first thing. I don't even change my own oil. So, you know, it's definitely, but he has always been interested in it. I, I know obviously you're able to claw back a lot of margin. So we've kind of looked into uh, it here and there and talked about it and uh, even talked about buying a manufacturing facility that wasn't doing as well. But the truth is it is a whole new business that yeah, I mean, it's, a, anything about. It's, it's a whole new thing. Big step to take. Yeah. So we, we've looked into, we thought about it, but when the, when the company is doing this well and it's growing like, you know, up into the right, you know, while it does sound appealing in a lot of different ways, I would love to be able to control our own ability to make product and get product. I mean, that, that sounds great. Clawing back the, the 30, 40 points is crazy. It would be great. And then obviously for a sale one day in the future, the being vertically integrated would yeah. increase your multiple a lot, but I don't know anything about it. So um, I would, you know, I would hate to, to get into something that, that I know I don't know anything about. Um, the only way that we would do it at this point is if some manufacturer uh, was doing poorly or lost big customers. And we believed wholeheartedly in the ability of that person yeah. who's running it, to continue running it at the same rate and had the same uh, motivation to run it, even if we were to buy it or take it over or whatever. Um, so we haven't run into that possibility, but if there was somebody out there, if somebody's watching right now and they have this awesome manufacturing facility, that's GMP compliant, that's NSF, that has kosher and halal and can do all this stuff. And they just don't have any business and they want somebody to bring a lot of business and in exchange for a lot of business and maybe some money, they would uh, change ownership uh, in, the, in the manufacturing. We would be interested, but it's not something we're actively pursuing. And in terms of like the packaging and robotics, um, we're, we're pretty, pretty damn far away from that now. We got uh, 80 people running around packing boxes downstairs. There's very, uh, there's certainly systems in place, but there's no, uh, no robotics or no automation and I would, uh, I, uh, that's another thing I don't know anything about, but I'm very fascinated in, in that possibility, you know, uh, it definitely would be neat to see. The only downside for us is that we are like, kind of like a, a family here at Redcon. Yeah. So I, yeah. I know all these guys. I don't know. Maybe I don't know their names of everybody, which is also, that's a weird thing to, to go into your business <laughs> and you don't know the names of people is really weird, uh, but I've gotten used to it now. So if I go down there, I know them all, although I, I only know the names of, you know, a handful but I do know them. I see them at the gym. We have the Redcon gym where if you're an employee here, you get a free membership. So I see them more at the gym than I do even here. So it'd be tough to say like, hey guys, robots replacing you, you're all fired. It would be real hard for me to do that. Even if it was a smart business move, I'm, I'm pretty, I would say I, I am certainly a softy. It would be very difficult for me to, to, to go down there or have somebody else go down yeah. there and, and fire everybody because the robots came, you know? It'd be tough. No, we're kind of learning. We're learning as we go. I mean, that's one of the, the tough things is that there's no um, examples that I can look at and say like, hey, this is how they did it. Maybe we can try to, to replicate the, some of their successes. It's not, there's no real example anymore for me to look at um, in sports supplements anyway. You know, in sports supplements, certainly there's a lot of people that, that are very smart with logistics and shipping and, and everything. We don't have anybody. We just recently got asked who's our competition. And I don't know who our competition is. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, we I have people like that are, that are bigger than us, but I don't know who's the. What I, I don't see, really I call. Had 
I had this discussion with Ghost and he said to me, I said, you're one of the large companies. And he's like, no, I don't think that. And I said, no, 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 you have to understand. And he thought this was a good insight. And I said to this Dan from Ghost and I said, you have to understand back in 2010, you had maybe what, five big companies? Yeah. You had like similar mid-sized companies and you had similar small size companies. He said, now you have a big increase in small companies. So the average size that you needed to be to be considered large is not as big as it was. So I yeah. would say that Revcon 1 is in the same realm as Optimum and BSN pure, not necessarily because of numbers, but because you are, when you look at influence, reach, size, like you are maybe not producing on the level of them, but you're in that same realm compared to how many actual brands are on the market. Yeah. Uh, and I would put Revcon up there with uh, Optimum, BSN, Gaspari, MuscleTech, uh, Cellucor, even though they might seem a little bit far, I don't know, you're a lot closer to them than you are the other guys. So it's- uh, Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, of those, of those people, you know, in terms of revenue, I, don't, I think, I think I don't only know. Optimum that you mentioned and Cellucor are larger in terms of revenue at this point. I mean, MuscleTech also probably, I don't know. MuscleTech oh, is, yeah. is this weird thing where, you know, we don't see it here at all. So it's almost out of sight, out of mind. I've heard they do tremendously well in I've China and internationally. Like China, like, you can you can make a whole business out of that. So I mean, we're not even we have almost nothing. In, we're in Macau. We have a distributor in Macau. We have a little bit in China, but it's extremely minimal. China and Russia are two places that are, that uh, that we that have a lot of people, and we have almost no exposure. India, we're doing you know some business, you know a few million dollars. I mean, we're doing five million dollars a year in India, but there's all those people and all this interest in India. There's supposedly there's three hundred million supplement consumers. I was told. In that I age group that. that have the means to pay, because obviously there's a there's a billion people, right? But of that billion, how many are not going to work out, or not interested in fitness, or don't have the money? Because there's a lot of people that don't have any money yeah. at all. But if there's 300 million consumers of of uh, fitness and fitness products, then we have only touched the, the tiny bit of the surface in India and in China even less. China China is a you could be a billion dollar brand in China if you really had the right inroads. You, know? you could be a billion dollar brand in China and not be known in America. It's incredible. I know. I, I've, no. We were actually meant to go. We had a flight booked for June last year. And obvious, for obvious reasons, it was canceled. But that you was go, my, don't, eat any, don't eat any bats and stuff like that. Avoid the, that, the. That was my kind of goal was to go there and, and learn. So I have yeah. my wife, my wife's uh, Malaysian yes. Chinese, and she knows a good amount. She can speak Chinese, didn't she? Tell me that. She yeah, she's to... uh, she she can't speak it that well. Like I'm learning quite a bit. I know a couple hundred words, but it's incredibly oh, hard to say it. Like yeah. I just have so much difficulty trying to sit there and be like, okay, how do I say? It? I can understand it pretty well when you know key awesome. words. But um, here, here in school, all, all the private schools here in Boca, Mandarin is one of the is now taking the place of French. So it's kind of Spanish and Mandarin are the two languages. Well, I mean, Mandarin is, it's, it's got to be up there with one of the most spoken languages in the yeah. world. But yeah. yeah, our plan was to go there, kind of learn, because I was just always curious about like supplement retailers. How does that work? How to like, what are the, are there any local brands? If there are, how are they doing kind of thing? And, yeah. But yeah, it's crazy that you are the size you are and you haven't really scraped the surface of China or India, yeah. which what their populations make up a third of the world. <laughs> uh, crazy, right? I mean, and also in, in, in all the bigger accounts, 
you know, we're not in Costco, we're not in Sam's Club, we're not in Walgreens, we're not in CVS, we're not in most grocery store chains, Kroger, Albertsons, Publix, we're not in, we're on some of their websites, but not on their, not on the shelves of those stores. Yeah. To give you an idea, I had a, I had a, people, I don't know if this is like too inside baseball, or am I giving it, I just won't use the name. So there's a, we get spin reports. Uh, you're familiar with spins? It's like IRI data um, of what's being oh, yes, sold. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, uh, we, I can look at uh, Albertsons and I'm looking, I don't want to name the name brand because I don't want to give away, I don't know if this is private information that I'm not supposed to say, but there's a bar brand. It's a mainstream bar brand that did $200 million in sales at Albertsons. Holy shit. Not, 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 a, not a sports supplement bar. It's a bar that everybody would have heard of, but it's not like a Quest bar or whatever. So just in Albertsons and their location is the $200 million in sales. So I saw that. And I'm like, how the hell are we not in Albertsons, right? Uh, I was like, God, I get in Albertsons. So it's like the, that kind of thing where it's like, you know, there's so much more potential out there. There's a lot. If you can get into these chains. When you get mainstream, it's, it's crazy. It's still, it's I still say to this day, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I dislike how in the US you have your sports supplement aisle. I said the day that you can get protein bars in the candy aisle and protein powders like or shakes on the same aisle as soft drink. I was like, that's when you're going to see this industry just blow up because you have to venture to this aisle for it to happen. No. It's not forced in front of them yet. When that happens, no. you get in a couple of Scandinavian countries, but when that happens, it's like, it'll be a way bigger. Well, we see it right now with the energy drink market. So energy yes. drinks, that's what happened. So energy drinks were, you know, Red Bull was, was big, but it was nowhere near like, you know, it wasn't anywhere approaching Coca-Cola or Pepsi or anything like that. It wasn't approaching a Mountain Dew or anything like that. But then you start to see the proliferation of all these other brands. And now when you go down the, the soft drink aisle, you see Bang, mm -hmm. you see, you know, Monster and Rain and all these, and they're, they're you know, being sold at a very premium price. Oh, yeah. Next to, yeah, I mean, all it is is caffeine and suds, right? There's nothing really in these things. Uh, of course, super creatine, but there's, there's, not, there's, not, there's not a lot in these things. So uh, the cost for the can, not, not much. There's not much cost in these things, but they're selling for a premium price and they're everywhere. I mean, I'm, I have to you know, salute to uh, uh, Ali, uh, Alani New. I always say that wrong, Alani New. They're, they're everywhere. They're, they got on Target, on the shelves on Target with their energy drink. Now they're doing a hard seltzer with alcohol. Uh, very impressed uh, with that. Very interesting. I've never seen, who would have ever imagined a girl's supplement line would make a girl's carbonated beverage that would then one day make a alcoholic carbonated beverage. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. But, but, this, but that, that, carb, that uh, carbonated energy drink is now, that's where we want to be. You want to see protein there, protein bars in that same yes. kind of area. And, and we'll see, we will literally see the, the industry take off. Yeah. I, I believe it. So are, are we going to see you in the, the energy drink aisle? pretty tempting everybody asks that everybody i mean you've got that. a not, not that like ghost is similar area but you got to be kind of reassured after how well they do with theirs and now they're getting in many places and yeah. obviously there are other brands doing it um rays from uh rip sports also yeah. florida they had to have i mean it, it's one of those things where i feel like you would have to be more confident than when you launch your brand yeah. That if oh, yeah, now. Came well oh, with an energy drink, it would do well. Yeah, we talked. I talked to Chris Wagner at Rays because I like him. He's a really good guy, and uh, and he, 
I said, I don't know how this came about. I think one of my sales guys told him that maybe we do a raised red kind of one flavor drink. And I thought, because that doesn't make any sense. So I thought um, that I thought that what he was saying was that they would manufacture a carbonated beverage for us on their lines. Yeah, because they, so, they bought all the equipment. Yeah, so I reached out to him and he's like, hell no. <laughs> he's like, then I won't have any, any time to make raisin anymore. He's like, you're going to take all my line time. And I was like, I figured. I was like, I don't, I didn't understand. He's like, I thought you wanted me to put your logo on our stuff. I'm like that, that really doesn't make any sense. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I gotta tell you, Shane, it's tempting because I do know it would do well. I really, I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm not like hesitant that it would work. I just want to make sure we don't overload um, the amount that we can do at once. So we just came out with the protein RTD, the MRE RTD, and it has, yeah. it has taken off. Uh, to such a degree uh, that it's, it's been very difficult to keep up with the demand. We've basically, in, in, in literally a few months, we've taken over uh, a large majority of the coolers at gyms. You know, people were replacing other brands' drinks and, and it's being picked up by a lot of people um, at, at, every, at every gym, basically, from, from every gold, now 24-hour fitness, every 24-hour fitness, uh, every, basically every major chain uh, is going to be having it. It's killing it at Vimejump, killing it at GNC. We'll soon be in larger retailers with it. It's killing it in the military. Uh, the, the Total War ready to drink is the number one pre-workout ready to drink in the country, maybe in the world. Um, so does it make sense to quickly add a carbonated one when we're not even maximized? The other ones, I don't know. It's, it's very tempting though. My salespeople really, really want me to do it. Um, I, so I, I won't say no. I, I strongly, I said this to a lot of brands that thought about it. And I said, it's exactly what you said. If you can get Redcon one in the soda aisle and any major retailer that may then push them down the health aisle that may then bring them to your website. And that percentage that go down that soda aisle is probably a lot more that oh, yeah. a, a bigger audience than you already have. Oh yeah. That's, and yeah, it's, I that's kind of like what I was saying. You put a protein bar in the candy bar aisle, the exposure is huge. That is yes. what you'd get with energy drink if it does yes. well. No, um, I, agree. I agree. One of the big things that was exciting about Walmart is being in 4,000 plus locations yeah. and all the people that walk by it. You know, uh, it was very exciting. Obviously, Walmart was fantastic for us because we didn't have to change the price. It's at the normal price. We didn't have to change yeah. the formula. We didn't have to change the size. Uh, I don't know if enough people in our industry and in the actual sports industry realize how big a deal that is for them. I'm not even talking about for me, but for them, that is a huge deal. We're well, the first water, water it down is, 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 is yeah. well, we're $39.99 on the shelf at Walmart. Uh, and that is the first, just to give you some reference, we're now number one in pre-workout at Walmart and performance nutrition. We're the number one product. And the next product underneath us is $24.99. And the next one under that is $19.99. So we're double the price, almost every other one in the entire category. So that shows that Walmart consumers are willing to spend money on products that they believe in or that they think are quality. And that means basically every other potential, you know, person that probably is watching now or is interested and involved in the, as a business owner or an employee of a sports supplement. Now you have a chance, like there's a chance we have proven, we open the doors to everybody else potentially getting in there, which I think is like a huge deal. You've opened the door, but you've also kind of been like, yeah, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to rule that space. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a lot more of those shell spaces come October for sure. But yeah, but, but I mean, but there is, a, it does open the door. Cause like somebody like you mentioned ghost and I love those guys. Dan is a great guy. Obviously, I've known Ryan for a million years. They're both great. And like, they didn't have a shot in hell. 
they would not, they didn't have a chance in hell to get in there, but now they have a pretty damn good shot. I would say they have a better, they have a really good shot to get in now because there's proof of concept that a brand that, that they go up against in other places and do well and they're beating us in GNC, you know, so they can say, hey, this brand that's killing it, the Total War is killing it, well, in GNC, we're beating them. Here's the numbers. And, uh, and they can show that. And that may get the buyer to, because before they'd go, who the hell are you? You know, this doesn't appeal to our, our, yeah. uh, our demographic. We never even heard of you before, but now they're going to go, oh, well, you beating our number one someplace, you got a shot. No, so well, I'm not uh, telling them go out and do it. Leave leave Dial alone, Dan. Stay far away. <laughs> Bad idea. Take your time. Dan likes to take his time with stuff and plan things out and not jump the gun. So should probably wait a little while. But then then go ahead and five it. five ten years. Just you yeah. know, yeah. he needs to roll out the products and, and vitamin shop first. Tell him do that one next. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. It's uh, it's awesome having having you on and, and having a chat and then. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we're still in for a lot more excitement from Recon One in, in years to come. Of course, man. Of course. Yes, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and there's definitely a lot more years left. I don't know if before we go, did you want me to talk about the investment thing, or you want to? Is that something? Oh that yeah. Shit, I almost forgot. I yeah. thought that was the whole point of the interview. I didn't. <laughs> I I, when, when you when you mentioned when I was talking about the manufacturing, that was kind of where I was leading with the question. I was going to say because I was like with that investment thing like is it it must is is it again if you want to go over it because you obviously have the resources now going to be a lot more than they were that was kind of where i was leading with the manufacturing thing and and the um the production line i was like surely it had to cross your mind even more with the amount you've got now backing you yeah well that is uh so when uh so trivest partners purchased 24% 24% of uh, Redcon 1. It's a minority investment. They don't have any controls or any ownership in terms of the ability to really do anything, which is, you know, they're able to give me advice, basically. And I can't do, in the deal, I can't do things that I wouldn't do to another business partner. In other words, I can't, like, hire Shane on here for a million bucks a year and reduce the profit, tell Shane, hey, hook me up with a little bit. I can't invest the business money in cryptocurrency or, you know, I can't, I have to, anything major like that, like giving some humongous raise or hiring a new position that's a million dollars, I have to go to them and they have to say like, okay, cool. I just have to ask them, like, let them know I'm doing it. And they have the ability to veto it if it doesn't make sense, which we're all on the same Makes team sense. now. You, you just know, can't so, do anything stupid. Yeah, I can't do anything stupid. <laughs> I can't like, for example, if I wanted to, let's say I want to buy the Red Cowan Jet, I have to say to them, hey, I want to buy the Red Cowan Jet, cool. And they could say, no, I don't think that makes sense, right? Uh, but it's just stuff like that, right? Reasonable don't things, do anything yeah. you wouldn't want. Yeah, it's, it's. I just think of it as like, if if they ran it and I invested, would I want them to do it yeah. uh, or not? So I just, I think it's a more of a respect thing, but basically that's the extent of what they can control and what they can do. Um, the things that they are able to do is, yeah, if there was a, a, bit, a chance to buy a manufacturing facility, they would be able to support us doing that if it made sense. Um, but the, the big things is that number one, you know, I, uh, I have some, all of my money, everything I have basically has been invested into Redcon. So when you go and look at all of our inventory, $20 million inventory, that's basically all my money, you know? So they were able to allow me to take some of that money that's been put into business and save it up for my family. So now I have a, a nest egg so that, you know, everybody, my guys, my three boys are, are safe, right? My wife's safe, everybody's good. And then the bigger thing, not the biggest thing, the bigger thing, is they were able to put money in the business so that we don't run out of inventory all the time, you know, so that we're able to stock up and not be so, so we've been running since it's all my money. 
I've been running very, uh, very, very lean. So uh, when Eric and I and Taylor and the rest of the guys forecast, we only want to keep eight weeks to 12 weeks of inventory in stock. And when you're growing really fast, all of a sudden, eight, 12 weeks, maybe four weeks yeah. all of a sudden. And then you're like, oh, shit. And you have to order. And before your order comes in, you've been out of stock for another eight weeks or whatever. And, uh, and if it's all my money and I have to pay the bills, I'm paying my bills on time, uh, it can be stressful because if you overorder, now you may have a hard time turning the products Other fast things. enough yeah. Yeah, into, into, into cash. And so over and over again, I've had to lend the business millions of dollars and I pay myself back. It's, it's, it's stressful to be like, wow, the business is doing so good, yet I'm not able to make any money because I'm having yeah. to buy put money back into the business. And so um, they were able to uh, kind of put fuel to burn in the fire here to, to get things really going. So now I don't have to be so cautious about when I'm ordering Emory Light, I don't have to say, well, let's just order 30,000 because I don't want to pay that bill in eight weeks. I'd rather, I'd rather like, let's just do that. Don't go to 60. So now we can say 60, right? Because there's no, there's no real limitation, or at least not in the foreseeable future of what we can, what we can, how fast we can grow. And then probably the most important thing is that these guys are very, very smart. All of them. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I don't know, Shane, you probably know, but I didn't go, I didn't finish high school. I got a GED, uh, which is, you know. I didn't do too well in high school either. No, no. A lot of us aren't good, aren't great students. Uh, I didn't go to college. I'm totally self-taught. Um, not that I, I don't, I, I'm not a huge believer in, in education for somebody like me, but I do respect it. So a lot of these guys have Harvard MBAs, Wharton MBAs, Yale you know, these guys are, are real deal finance guys that have seen and been a part of hundreds and hundreds of transactions. So they can look at my business in a different way and give me cool advice that I just wouldn't have thought of. And it's already happened a bunch of times. They're not able to tell me you got to do it. They can't say, hey, Shane, do this. But they can say, hey, Shane, this is what we've seen 50 times and it's worked 50 out of 50 times. Have you ever considered it? And so that's the stuff that's like, I'm not around anybody on a day-to-day -day basis that has that kind of experience. I don't have a mentor or somebody I look up to or talk to about any of this. I'm kind of on an island by myself with, with all this team that I have, a great team, but I mean, kind of by myself. You have, you have no leaders to, to kind of follow you. No, your I don't have anybody to really ask. So now I can, while they're not gonna be able to advise us on what, what's the next formula of the next big product or whatever, you know, they don't know, they don't know, they'll tell you, they don't know shit about supplements. We're the first sports supplement company they've ever, I think the second one, but the real, only the first real, real one. They've had other CPG companies, but nothing like Redcon. So they can't really advise on the day-to-day -day operations anyway. But the uh, larger stuff, like the bigger experience and the, the relationships that they have that I don't have, you know, they can call up the president of all these banks. They can call up the CEO of Costco. Like, I don't know these guys. How would I get in touch with them? Um, but they know them all because they've done business with other businesses before. So there's a, there's a long list of things that they're going to be able to help with that, uh, that I wouldn't even know how to begin with uh, doing on my own. It would be a, just like everything else, it'd be a learning curve. I'd probably scrub a million times before I finally got it right, you know? And they've helped me avoid, even though it's only been a few weeks now, they've helped me avoid uh, making some mistakes already. And I can only imagine going forward that, that that'll be, that'll continue on a, on a larger level. It sounds like, uh, yeah, just that, like you said, more fuel. It kind of reminds, reminds me of how Grenade very similar situation with the yeah um i can't remember their exact percentage or whatever it was and they were saying much the same thing they now pretty much have just more fuel on the fire no real yeah. kind of limit to worry about uh and by the sound of things when you were basically describing the manufacturing earlier 
it kind of sounds like this is just the 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 answer to go to the ideal yeah. situation solution um and damn yeah wow i mean i knew you were putting back in the brand i remember you telling me that way back and obviously i guess if you were on the consistent growth that you were it's not surprising that that's been the case the whole time <laughs> so i guess yeah. that it's yeah. uh that's got to be incredibly uh relieving i guess for you and and, and Yes. Um, yes. And, and don't get me wrong, Sheena. I've certainly made money in Red Cohen. I haven't been like, it's not like I've been yeah, working without a seller. It's one of those things where like, this had to have felt like, I guess, like, this oh, yeah. is kind of what, like, this is what my reward was meant to be. This is kind of what my hard work was. I understand you probably had things along the way, but yeah, it no, probably right. wasn't on the level of the amount of work you put in, I think. Whereas this I think sounds so, like yeah, it was. definitely right. You're definitely right. And then uh, and when people ask, you know, when it all went down and the deal closed, you know, did me and Darielle, uh, my wife, uh, celebrate? Did we go like rent a yacht and go to the islands and we like do go crazy party in Miami or whatever? And we we didn't do we didn't do anything. I trained uh, hamstrings and calves and she took the kids to the baseball game. Um, you didn't even no, do it wasn't even like do anything. No, I, I'm trying to do a double split. I did I did five uh, that morning. Since the deal closed, <laughs> I had to finish hamstrings and calves. Okay. Uh, but but um, no, I uh, I should have done chest, right? Or yeah, that's, that's the go-to. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um, you know what it did feel like, both me and her was as a sort of relief, you know, like yeah. kind of like a relief, and also like if you were to ask her, she would say, "I all kind of makes sense now." Like there's been a lot of stress, and and to put when a business is doing well, I think it's very foreign to people. It was definitely foreign to me to have to keep putting money in the business, and then yeah, yeah I, get, I pay myself back, but it's stressful to be like. Um, also taxes is something that's weird that people don't think of is that if your business is doing very well, you may not have all the money that your, that your P&L says you made. Oh, yeah. So my, my K1 may say $5 million, but if I've only taken out $2 million because I've had to buy more inventory. I've had to, you know, add, uh, add more in general, uh, you know, I'm not able to actually take it out because I need that money to grow. Well, my K1 still says 5 million and I still owe 40% of that to the government. But if I only took 2 million out, where I get the other money to pay my taxes, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird, that's one of those weird things that people don't think of. And I never, definitely never thought of that. Um, so when, when I tell people that who are in big business, they all, yeah, that's the thing that happens. But I was blown away. <laughs> Remember the first year that even the Blackstone did really well and we didn't, we weren't able to take as much as we, as we, as I thought we should have. And I wasn't being conscious of, of like being, saving money and being thrifty to, to pay taxes. Remember getting that first really big uh, tax bill, and I'm way way used to it now. But that first tax bill, I'd be like, that doesn't seem fair. Like, wait, I only <laughs> took this much. How could I be that paying that much? Yeah. And uh, and I, I remember wanting to. No, I never did it, but I wanted to do a video and like be totally transparent and show people because I think people, including my employees at the time back then, seemed to not have any understanding of the fact that like what's really going on. Like, um, you know, yeah, if you make. 800 grand on paper but if you only pulled out 500 and you spent 200 on shit you probably shouldn't have all of a sudden you have no money you're totally yeah. broke you know what i mean it's a, it's a something that i certainly wouldn't feel expect anybody to feel sorry for me for it but it, it is something that is people i don't think are aware of that you could pay taxes on money you never actually realized that you never actually saw it's a weird yeah. thing so yeah i can uh again it's a i i'm i I've, I've not been in that situation, but I know from paying taxes and running my own business, how, what you, what you mean by that. And 
And you pay a lot of taxes in New Zealand, right? Taxes is ridiculous there. Ours is a, uh, I think it's, it's might be better than yours. I think. Uh, maybe, maybe it's, is it Australia that's bad? Maybe. I know ours, like you have business taxes, 28, then you have personal tax, which uh, depending on how much you earn, it goes up per tier. So if you earn over like 72, it's 33%, but that's the highest yeah, it gets. If it's so 28 there. plus 33? No, no, no. Just the, so you either pay business or personal. Oh, you don't pay both. So personal was thirty three if you earn over seventy two, but anything under that, uh, it goes down to like thirty, and then it goes down to seventeen and a half percent, and then it's ten percent if you earn less than ten thousand or something. So it's yeah. pretty good. I know I've heard people in the and US. That's way better. That's way better. Oh yeah, better. yeah. I know everyone tells me they're just like, yeah, I pay forty percent. It's like holy shit. Oh yeah, forty percent. So thirty. The, they're trying, Biden is trying to bring it back to about 40%. It was at 37.9 or 37 point whatever. He wants to bring it back to about 40. And then where you really get screwed, not in Florida, because Florida has no state tax. But like is if it, you live in New York, you're paying- the ones that have the, is it federal? No, so federal is your is your tax that everybody has to pay. Yeah. Um, but then state tax can be up to 10%. Yeah, like so it's the, 10% the, state, the state on top, yeah. And then you can have, and then you can have, if you like live in New York City, you can have an additional, I think it's four or five percent with city tax because you like yeah. in Manhattan. And there's other uh, other taxes. Of course, you're paying sales tax as well. You're paying property tax on your property. So if you own a, um, like for example, th this building, uh, the Red Cohen building, is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in taxes to own the building. If you own it cash, you're paying two hundred fifty thousand a year to own it. So when yeah. you add it all up. You know, if you're, especially if you're living in Manhattan, you own property in Manhattan, you're, I mean, you're, you're basically paying 60% or more of your money into taxes. So pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild. That's the, it's those big world problems, I guess. In the, oh my God, it's crazy. Okay. It's crazy. That's yeah, why so well, many people are moving. New York has fallen apart, right? It's a disaster area now. So people who are there are now moving here to Boca, to South Florida, because they, they're saving so much money so imagine if you make let's just say you make a million dollars a year and all the a lot of these wall street guys make that kind of money that means you're paying because you're living in the city hundred and forty thousand dollars a year just for your city and state tax so for them they're like well why am i here in this shitty city this this dump in new york that it used to be the you know the apple the big apple the heart of the people would say it's the center of the universe center of the world right well now it doesn't seem like it's so much so like, why am I here for $140,000 a year? I can get the biggest penthouse apartment on the beach in Miami. I'd rather go there. And uh, and that's happening a lot right now. And Florida was was one of the first places or like one of the only yeah. states, I guess, that was like open yeah. throughout. Yeah, we have a great governor. governor. Governor Ron DeSantis is, was got a lot of pretty people were pretty critical initially. And now a lot of people are moving here for that, for that reason, you know, that, that we were, we are much more open, uh, here and interestingly enough when you compare it to like california which is significantly more closed and restrictive that our numbers are better than theirs it doesn't there's no can't make sense of any of this stuff who knows Nobody yeah knows it's anything. a it's a crazy situation i mean we, we we're doing pretty well here in new zealand <laughs> that's because yes. we don't have many people but that's so yeah. good um a lot of space you have you have social distancing built in yeah we got well our biggest city is I think 2 million people and then the other 3 million of the population spread across the country. So it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 we've had a pretty good job and we're an island in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. people can't really just come here easily. So yeah, it's, uh, well, thank you for coming on. It was a great conversation. And it sounds like, again, it sounds like we've got plenty more to look forward to. 
And uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time. Brand of the year, 2021, baby. That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. Uh, thank you, Shane. Uh, thank you again. Thank you, buddy.